Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Joan Emrich, and I serve as a deacon here in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us bow our heads as we prepare for worship. Holy and merciful God, in your presence we confess our sinfulness, our shortcomings, our offenses against you. You alone know how often we have sinned in wandering from your ways, in wasting your gifts, in forgetting your love. Have mercy on us, O Lord, for we are ashamed and sorry for all we have done to displease you. Forgive our sins and help us to live in your light. Walk in your ways. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Now, as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Will you please stand for the call to worship? Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Let us worship God. Compassion and forgiveness belong to the Lord our God. And though we have rebelled against him, let us renounce our willfulness and seek his mercy by confessing our sins in penitence and returning to the Lord in faith. God of mercy, you send Jesus Christ to seek and save the lost. We confess that we have strayed from you and turned aside from your way. We are misled by pride, for we see ourselves pure when we are stained and great when we are small. We have failed in love, neglected justice, and ignored your truth. Have mercy, O God, and forgive our sins. Return us to the paths of righteousness through Jesus Christ, our Savior, in Jesus' name, amen.
This is the good news of the gospel for all of us. Whatever we have done, whatever we have failed to do, whatever we might be, whatever we are, whoever we wish we were but not, we're loved and forgiven. We're accepted. We're washed clean. We're raised up. We are welcomed. So friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. <clears throat> Now together, let us take those wonderful words of the Apostles' Creed, affirm and repeat them together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell, the third day he rose again from the head. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now on this glorious day, let's circulate among our friends and those who are new and say hello. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms this morning. We're glad that you have made your way here to join with us as the family of faith as we worship our good Lord and wonder about God's call and our mission to equip disciples for the service of Christ. We hope that you will find this to be a place of welcome and we encourage you to fill out the friendship pads and pass those along to your neighbors and note those folks who are sitting near you. We would love for you to continue your conversation that you just began and, uh, and join us uh, not only during our congregational meeting, which is coming up here after our service, immediately after our service, but also afterward underneath the tree. We do want to uh, encourage you to stay for our congregational meeting at 10 o'clock right after this service. We'll be taking up a couple of matters of routine business, and then we'll be sharing with you uh, the work of our uh, master plan team and uh, the approval of the session to go forward with our uh, master plan and we would love for you to hear a little bit more about that and to discover how you might want to be a part of that uh, great dream that we're going to be living into over the course of the next uh, few years so join us for that uh, we want to make you aware that uh, adult education is uh, going to not be happening this day uh, during between the services so that you can be available for the congregational meeting 
the children's uh, small groups and uh, the regular programming for children will be happening. So parents, don't worry, your children are being watched uh, while you stay for the congregational meeting uh, today. We uh, look forward to, in a couple of weeks, our uh, Easter egg hunt, but we could use some more supplies for that. So if you uh, have uh, a little bit of candy around or you might want to purchase at, uh, at the store, if you have stuff left over from Halloween, whatever it might take, <laughs> <laughs> uh, bring it to the church office and uh, we would love for, uh, to uh, use that for our Easter egg hunt in, um, in a couple of weeks. We would love to get that by next Sunday. This coming Tuesday night uh, on St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, will be the launch or the relaunch of our Life Tree Cafe. We'll be over at the Nightlife Center, and uh, you may want to join us for that as we seek to reach out into the community with a conversation about faith, uh, hopefully inviting those who are not connected to the church to be in conversation with us. Family Promise is just a couple of weeks away, and this is our chance to welcome three families who are homeless into, onto our campus to spend the week. And we would love for you to help us out by volunteering to take a shift to cook a meal or to spend the night or to just simply be a companion to those families while they're here. Also, we can use more supplies, and there's information in your bulletin, and you can see folks after church underneath, underneath the tree. And we can use some help for our Holy Week services. Ushers are needed for our Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday service. And we would love for you to help us in that particular ministry of hospitality for those who come uh, to walk alongside Jesus as he makes his way uh, through Holy Week and to the cross. Our Two Pianos concert is coming up in two weeks. So you'll want to make sure to get tickets for that, either by uh, calling the church office or stopping by the church office today and we would love to uh, have you join us for that great uh, time of music shared by Jonathan and Genevieve. We will be moving our baptism to a little bit later in the service, so let us continue our worship with prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we come to you with reverence and thanksgiving. We thank you for the season of Lent that gives us opportunity to prepare our hearts for our reliving of the story of Jesus' passion. And we thank you for the central role of the passion story in the great story of your divine love for all of us. Be with us, O God, in Church of the Palms as we seek to be faithful disciples, sharing your gospel and love message and grace with all we meet. Be with those who need your comfort, we pray. Heal those, our suffering friends, and give your com comfort and peace to those who are dying, and give courage to those faint of heart, and compassion to those of us who have let your, our eyes go blind to need. We pray that you will lead the world's leaders to new paths of hope and justice and cooperation. Safeguard those who defend us and protect those who go to share your gospel in dangerous places, we pray. Bless our ministries of teaching and mission and our effort to build up the community of faith here at Church of the Palms, we pray. We ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, God blesses us each day with all our needs and many times he even gives us what we want. Now let us take this moment to return to God a portion of what we have received from God with grateful hearts.
pray. O God, who loves us and bless us at all times, we bring these, our gifts, to you to make more equipping and equipped disciples for the service of Christ near and far. We bring them to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated as our children and Lori come forward. Hey kids, we're going to come over here. We get a front row seat for the baptism. It's like the best. Have a plop right down. Nice. Have a seat. Nice. Good morning. Hi, friend. Good luck. <laughs> we get to be a part of a baptism today, all of us, not just you, not just parents, but the whole family of God gets to be together to be about this great mm -hmm. baptism of this young little boy who comes before us to be baptized Stone Mining House. Many of you were in this position not too long ago where your parents brought your brought you before us to be baptized, to be adopted by the family of faith. And mm -hmm. so we get that chance to do that today. Baptism is one of those great moments in the life of the church where we remember that we're all children of God, that we've all been claimed by the covenant of God. We've all been adopted as children of God and we rejoice in that every time we baptize a child, rejoicing in the good news that God has reached out and claimed little stone to be his mm -hmm. little son his great child of God. So we're grateful that you are here with us today, Alexis and Aaron, and thankful that we get the chance to baptize Little Stone. We make promises in baptism, covenant promises, so that we can be engrafted together within the great promise of God, the great story of God that unfolds to remind us always that God has always claimed us and will always keep us as his own. So to that end, Alexis and Aaron, I'd like to invites you to respond to these questions as you bring stone to be baptized. Do you reaffirm your own faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, do you? Do you claim God's covenant promises on your child's behalf and do you look in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ for his salvation as you do your own, do you? And do you now unreservedly promise and humble reliance upon God's grace to set before stone an example of the new life in Christ, do you? And do you, the members of this congregation, in the name of the whole Church of Christ, undertake with these parents the Christian nurture of their child so that in due time he may confess faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Do you? We do. And will you endeavor by your example and fellowship to strengthen his ties with the household of God? Will you? We will. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for the promise of your Holy Spirit's presence in this moment. As we baptize this little boy, we pray, O Lord, that we may feel your presence, that we may know of your covenant claim upon us, and that we may be enfolded in your love and mercy to know that we are all your children, and that as you have reached out to this child, so you reach out to us all through your Holy Spirit, for we ask it in Christ's name, amen. So you can stand up there. Stone, Douglas Mining House, child of the covenant. I baptize you in the name of the Father. And of the Son. And of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This little guy was a child of God. God loved him even before he came into the world, just like God loves us all, even before we came into the world. And no matter what we do, when, no matter where we go, God will always love him as he always loves us. So that's the good news. That's what baptism is all about. 
acknowledge that as parents, we only get our children for a short period of time, but they belong to God for all times. And it's in that promise and in that, in that love that we respond to God's love. And as a church family, we get to come alongside you in this, and there's nothing that gives us more joy. So as parents, we know that we are the most important influence in our children's lives, but we also know we're not the only influence that they need. And so that's why we're here, right? All of us down here to love Stone, to love Ashley, all of us out here to teach them to walk with you every step of the way. So we would like to give you this beautiful cross-stitch that a woman in our church makes a certificate and a Bible so that he starts to hear the stories of God's love from the very beginning throughout his whole life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this moment, for the moment of your claiming us as your children. We thank you for this little boy who's come into our life, into the lives of his parents. We pray, oh Lord, that we may always remind him of how much he's loved by you in and through your son, Jesus Christ. For we pray this in his name, amen. Amen. So guys, guess what? We're gonna do two stories up in kids' worship today about getting ready for Jesus' coming. One about 10 uh, bridesmaids, one about three servants. Here's the thing, they're getting ready for something big and we're gonna figure out how do we get ready for Jesus to come again. And I think there might be three things these guys just showed us one great example of getting ready. They have faith in God. Do you have faith in God? Yeah. Do we have faith in God? Yes, we do. The second thing that we're going to want to do is stay in relationship with God. And it's doing what you're doing right now. You come to worship so you can worship God. You pray. You read your Bibles. The third thing is that we go out into the world and we share God's love and we share God's story. Those are the things we're going to talk about upstairs, but let's pray together first. Gracious God, your love is so big. Gosh, just fill us up so that when we leave this place, we can't help but to show your love and to tell your story. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
may be seated. Our scripture this morning is taken from the gospel according to Matthew, the 25th chapter, verses 1 through 13. We have been taking our journey through this gospel, the first of the four gospels, the telling of the story of Jesus, as we have been listening to the story of God unfold from Genesis to the end of the Bible, and we find ourselves as Jesus is making his way closer and closer to the cross, and in 20, the 25th chapter of Matthew, we find these three great parables, the first of which is our lesson today. Hear the word of God. Jesus speaks and says, then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. 10 bridesmaids took their lamps and went, went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. And the foolish took their lamps. They took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. And as the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a shout, look, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, no, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, open to us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, where we pray this in his name, amen. Perhaps one of the greatest moments in U.S. Olympic history took place in Atlanta, 1996, when the U.S. women's gymnastics team took the team competition down to the wire against the Russians. Only tenths of a point separated the two teams and it boiled down to the performance of one young 18-year-old American woman, Carrie Strug, and her performance on the vault. Most remember this. One good run, one good flip, one good landing is what it would take to give the Americans their first Olympic gold medal in the women's gymnastics team competition. The first of Carrie's two attempts resulted in a poor landing in which she injured her ankle, a sprain and torn tendons, a significant injury that would keep most of us off of our feet. Visibly limping, she winced her way back to the start of the runway to prepare for her second vault. A poor run, a poor jump, a poor landing, and the Americans might lose. And there she stood, the world looking on. It was her moment. Rewind 15 years to when Carrie was three years old and with an older sister who was also, also competing gymnast, Carrie began training. Three years old, training. 15 years of training, moving from gym to gym and town to town and coach to coach, injuries and medals and emotional breakdowns and training, 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 every day of every week of every year had brought her to this point where she stood before the world with injured ankle, expected to run and spin and spring and land on her two feet perfectly. It was the moment. It was the moment her whole life had been about. Everything had been preparation for this moment. And she was ready. And she did it. Team USA got the gold, and Carrie got onto the Wheaties box. Four days later, a security guard, Richard Jewell, working the overnight detail at Centennial Park in Atlanta noticed a backpack sitting unattended under a park bench. 
It was the moment. Likely one of a hundred backpacks left behind by millions of Olympic visitors. Why bother? But Richard Jewell bothered and took the chance to inconvenience hundreds of people by spending the next several minutes clearing the area, escorting hundreds to a perimeter of safety at the risk of being labeled an alarmist. 13 minutes later, the backpack exploded. And while many were hurt and one was killed, clearly Richard Jewell had saved scores, if not hundreds. It was the moment. Unfortunately, Richard Jewell did not end up on a Wheaties box. He ended up being tried unjustly in the newspapers and television, suspected to have planted the bombs such that he could be the hero. The next months were the worst of his life. While America scorned him and made fun of him on late night TV. It took 10 years for the US Attorney's Office to formally clear him of all charges. Americans reluctantly and belatedly praised him. He died the following year. Who's to know when the moment will come? And what will happen once it comes? And what will happen after it comes? Rare, of course, is any particular life that ends up before millions of sport viewers or before an explosive device with that moment when all things hang in the balance. Will she stick the landing? Will he rescue the crowd? Most of us have never found ourselves in such moments of high spectator drama. And with that in mind, perhaps it is tempting for you and me to imagine that maybe we, from day to day, in the grand scheme of things, don't do much that matters such that we're not aiming for a goal, and since the chances of diffusing a terrorist plot are slim, well, what's the big difference with what I do from day to day? What's the point of preparing for the high drama that's likely never to come? Perhaps it's the question that Jesus is trying to answer in his parables that Matthew shares with us in Matthew 25 of his gospel, in particular, the story of the wise and the foolish maidens who are waiting for the wedding. Borrowing from the customs of first century Palestinian weddings, Jesus wonders if the kingdom of heaven isn't a little bit like waiting for the moment. The moment when the bridegroom starts the parade into the wedding feast accompanied by the bridesmaids all with lamps aflame. One does not know when that moment's going to come, when the bridegroom will arrive. Matthew's writing his gospel for a crowd of people who have every expectation now that the Messiah will return for the second time imminently certainly within their lifetime, but he appears to be delayed. But the kingdom could come at any time, Jesus says. The Christ could arrive at any moment. And when that moment comes, will you be ready? And, and since we don't know when that moment will come, what we realize is, is that life is not about fixating on the promised moment ahead as much as it is focusing on the present moment at hand. Life is not as much about fixating on the promised moment ahead as much as it is focusing on the present moment at hand. For it is in the present moment at hand that Jesus promises his presence, right? We are practicing the presence of Messiah every day. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is what? Is at hand, is in your midst, is within you. So every moment is the practice of the presence of Christ. And we practice the presence of Christ in those moments that happen to us daily when we become bearers of the light. Daily are we called to have on hand the oil that fuels the fire that brings the light into the world that we met, might let our light so shine before others that they might see our good works and give glory to our Father in heaven. The moment doesn't happen when the camera rolls and when the angels are descending. The moment comes in every moment we have the chance to practice the presence of Christ and to find the presence of Christ in every human being that should come our way. We prepare for Jesus' triumphant coming in the future in every single person who comes to us in the now. Every moment is a preparation 
for the moment. I do my fair share of airline traveling, many of us do, and there comes a point when flying on a plane gets a little routine. You know, you get on a plane, you sit down, buckle your seatbelt, listen to the attendant, run through the instructions, taxi to the end of the runway. Then comes the moment when the pilot opens the throttle, the engine's thrust, the plane starts down the runway. Now, if you fly enough, all of that, interestingly enough, becomes routine. Even the lifting off of thousands of pounds, not to mention a couple hundred people, off the ground, into the clouds, all that is routine. All that is in a pilot's daily work. It's what she spends years training for. It's what we count on. But as routine, routine as it is, nothing erases the fact that a couple hundred souls are defying gravity and flying contrary to the laws of the universe. But we don't pay a lot of attention to that unless you are Chesley B. Sullenberger and you see a flock of geese fly into your jet engines and you know that there is no airport close enough to land your power this plane, then you know that every moment of your life has been a preparation for this. You know that you have to employ all those flights, all those training classes, all those flight simulator sessions, because now, like Carrie Strug, you're at the end of the runway, and you have to make the landing stick. And the only difference is that this is real. These are souls I have in my care. These are lives hanging in the balance, and there's a river I'm trying to land on, and now all of a sudden, every moment has led to this moment, which makes every moment of inestimable value. In every hospital in every town, scores of surgeons perform their surgeries. Appendices are removed, gallbladders taken, arteries bypassed, discs fused, cancers cut out. It happens a million times a day, and maybe there's even a little bit of routine to it all. But when I sat in the holding room 10 years, years ago and watched them wheel my daughter away to surgery, there was nothing routine about that. It was the moment. It was the moment for that surgeon, as far as I was concerned. A moment that I prayed had been preceded by thousands of other moments that had prepared him for this moment. The moment. So when Jesus tells us a story about the five wise maidens and the five foolish maidens, the five prepared and the five unprepared, there comes with it this invitation, right, that to a rhythm of life that finds us more and more aware and awake to the moments of the Messiah in our midst. In other words, we live with the arrival of Jesus every day. I will be with you, Jesus says, to the close of the age. The truth is, Jesus is with us in every moment when we have the chance to shine the light, to be about those beatitudes at the beginning of Matthew gospel to, to bring about peace, to bring about mercy, purity of heart, righteousness, meekness, courage to a world that wonders if God really is around. It's the rhythm to which we are invited. Brother Lawrence in his treasured book, Practicing the Presence of God, says it this way, we ought not to be weary of doing little things for the love of God who regards not the greatness of the work, but the love with which it is performed. And we do so because moment to moment, we are in the presence of Christ, the bridegroom. The Celts so long ago fashioned the rhythm into the prayer of St. Patrick, the breastplate of St. Patrick, which we listened to just a minute ago with that wonderful anthem sung by our choir. It's an anthem perhaps we should have in our minds while we're picking out our green outfits in two days the prayer of St. Patrick, I rise today in power of strength, invoking the Trinity, believing in threeness, confessing the oneness of creation's creator, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ within me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ to the right of me, Christ to the left of me, Christ in my lying, Christ in my sitting, Christ in my rising, Christ in the heart of all who think of me, Christ in the tongue of all who speak to me, Christ in the eyes of all who see me, Christ in the ears of all who hear me. I rise today in Spirit's presence, the practiced presence of Christ. 
perhaps it was such practice which prepared those good Christian souls to know what to do when the moment came. I'm thinking of the nickel mine Pennsylvania Mennonite community who fell victim to a mentally ill gunman who took the lives of five Amish girls in their schoolhouse. It was their moment. So what is a Christian community to do? What are good Christians to do? Well, these folks have been practicing. For 400 years, they had been practicing. Those Mennonites, the art of reconciliation and peace. It was their tradition, peacemaking. In just hours, they assembled to pray for the families of those girls, of course, but also to pray for the family of the assailant to set up a fund for them and to invite them into their homes and to raise the school building of haunted memories and to replace it with a new school, the new Hope School. They had been practicing the presence of Christ all along so that when Messiah came in the broken hearts of an ostracized family, they were prepared. Sobering such radical grace. But don't you wonder if that isn't what this weary old world is looking for? Don't you wonder if the moment isn't upon us now with all the radical badness that's going on in this world that, that as brothers and sisters of the bridegroom, maidens with our lamps, if it isn't time to light the world with a new form of radical goodness, seeing this moment as the moment, at least to ask ourselves, what am I waiting for? Christ shall someday, yes, come with angels, of course, but Christ comes today in souls, in souls, in the souls within the reach of your life and my life, scores, hundreds of souls, Christ on the tongue of all who speak to me, Christ in the eye of all who see me, Christ in the ear of all who hear me, souls for whom radical goodness from you might shine a little bit of light and make the difference. So what really are you waiting for? Is it possible that all your moments have been meant for this moment?
the benediction and after the benediction response sung by our choir to uh, join us for the congregational meeting following this service as we take up uh, the future of our church. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Sunday morning at 9 Eastern Time, we present this live telecast from Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida.